0: Hello everyone, this is Stavros Yanuka welcoming you back for another episode of Wise Words. Today's guest is Omar Al-Tal, Head of Education and Emergency at Mercy Corps. Omar has extensive experience in providing education as part of humanitarian aid and has worked in Jordan, Greece, and Iraq. Following our previous episode with Luka Pari on social emotional learning, we learn from Omar that he also incorporates uh, SEL into his work with refugees. Omar describes himself as a storyteller, and during our conversation, he painted a vivid picture explaining why refugees are so keen to prioritize education and learning. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Omar Al-Tal, welcome to Wise Words. Thank you so much, sir. Um, Omar, uh, before we get into the the substance of our conversation, perhaps it might be a good idea for you just to briefly introduce yourself uh, and your work to our listeners who may not may not be familiar with what you do
1: so my my name is Omar Al-Tal I am the, the head of education portfolio with Mercy Corps in in Iraq just to mention a personal failure that happened with me when I was when I was in school and then the first year at my university where I was a person who was not caring much about leaving impact not caring much about about education and see it as a routine process that we have to go through in order to live our life. And this this happened like at the last years of my schools and and university where I kept not focusing on education, failing in some subjects until I reached university and I studied business administration. And in the first year, I studied in Syria and Damascus University first, and I filled the like 13 subjects. I didn't pass the, the, the year. And then I came back to Jordan. I studied business administration. I passed the year, but with really low GPA. And then like this is where every human being has, has his own time where it, it, it clicks. And, and for him to say it's the time to think and it's the time to to think of what is what is the purpose What's your purpose in life in general? And this is where, in the university, I start volunteering with international organizations, with national organizations. At the beginning, I was a beneficiary of, of youth organizations to build my own communication skills, self-awareness, self-management, and, and, and social, my, my social interactions and to strengthening them. And then I start seeing myself being changed and I start seeing myself a person with value. Comparing to to what what I faced before, and then this this feeling start to come as as I can now pay back and I can now just look at youth who've been through what I've been through, which is which is not that much, and and try to help them, try to try to work with them on building their what we used to call it leadership skills. And after that, when I graduated from university, I worked in in the private sector, but I didn't like it at all. And then we, I moved into, and then sorry, the Syrian crisis started and we received 2 million refugees in Jordan and Zaatari and Azraq camp. This is where also I, I saw that I have, I have a competitive advantage. I have values. I have things to give for, 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 for those youth who left their homes, who left their country to come to a refugee camp in, in a desert seeking safety. And this is where I moved with uh, with international with international organizations career, working as as youth uh, youth activists. Let me say it, in the in the
0: refugee camps. No, I, I was just going to briefly, uh, if you will, kind of take you back a little bit to the moment when you say, okay, this is the moment when it clicked for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was just I was just wondering what happened to sort of make because you were describing the way you were describing yourself. I would say, okay, that's a that's a typical you know, late teenage, early, early sort of 20 mm-hmm. attitude that most, I would say quite a few people have, which is, yeah, education is just something to be endured. I need it because, you know, I need to get a job, but it, it doesn't really mean anything more than that. So what happened to you? What, I mean, other than not passing the uh, the exam, was that the trigger? I and mean, what was the thing that made this switch and got you to start thinking differently about about education.
1: So here here I want to share with you another personal events that that happened in my life, which is and and it is it is what what uh, raised my my stress level in my childhood is is the. Like this is the first time I'm sharing this in interviews, but that's okay. It's as the family situation could be. And where I came from, like a divorced family and the youngest, I saw my my older brother being affected by the parenting that was happening and then mm-hmm. I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from their from their successes and from their failure. And this is that also was another driver for me to to start seek responsibility. And I I reached the point where I like the point of awareness, right? Where I start aware that I am now. I felt I failed twice, and I want to change because. Because I love them, I want to learn from my brother's mistakes. I want to, I I want to understand what exactly happened, and that's what happened actually. This is where it it clicks. It started with self awareness. It started with looking at myself inside. What are the things that I need to fill in my personality in order in order to move to move forward? Another thing that happened to me is, why success? Like why not? Why not? I kept failing, and it's okay. So why I thought of success? When you look at your friends, when you look at the community around you, you can see people going through and passing and passing their life with a huge success and they 're leaving impact wherever they go and you see people who are who are, who are, who are not doing it and they're, they're more they are more not not positively adding mm-hmm. to their communities and this is where I made the choice is i because of my surroundings, I want to be I want
0: to be the one who's seeking success, and that's how I started with self-awareness. No, that's 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 really interesting. So then, then you you decide now the the Syrian crisis is is beginning, refugees are are flooding into Jordan. Talk me through. You know, you're in the private sector, but you're you're not satisfied, as you say. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk me through the thought process that that you went through to to sort of make the decision to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to devote my Uh, efforts now to humanitarian work
1: so you know this feeling when you graduated from university what do you need you need a job you don't think where where is it and what is it gonna be you just need a job so i i was i was recruited to be a salesman for for technology products where technology is the field that that i really don't really understand but I was there because I'm a talkative person. They see something that I can do as a salesman, and they hired me. And the first day I was there, I knew that I'm moving, I'm moving out from private sector. But the the third process is I start, I start working very hard, and I, I to be honest, as a as a salesman, I start making good commissions too. So what what happened is. With with all of my my love to my manager that day, but what happened is once you know how private sector, he came in and he looked at the salesman. He opened the door. He was funny, like he was making it in a funny way, and he was like, "Hurry up, guys, we need to make more money." And then and then he left, and he he was the general manager, and then he went to his room. This is where somehow it it it, it clicks is that like every single efforts I'm doing here is just to make money for the owners of, the, of this company. But looking at impact, am I changing someone else as I was changed in the university? Am I, when I finish this job, is someone going to leave and, and with, with better attitudes, with better action, with better future? And for sure, the answer were no. And this is where I start. I just like throwing my applications everywhere in the organization in order to take that first step and after 6 months it took me 6 months to be in a private sector and after that i moved into the uh, i moved into this career
0: tell us a little bit now about the the work that you do omar
1: hello after, after being in in the refugee camps and seeing seeing all the stories among among the refugees what i was doing is working with youth in their informal non-formal education at the beginning in in, uh, in camp yeah when i when i moved to the to the camp this is where i start to see my values and see how i can add them into into programs and looking at youth inside refugee camps you're talking again as i started with this interview you're talking about youth who left their homes who left their beloved people back in syria who left let me break it down who left the streets and the street light that they used to go and sit under every single night and talk with their friends, like those type of little experiences, were left it behind to come to a camp, to come to a like and live in a tent because you want to be secured and you don't want to get to get killed or you you don't want to be recruited by an extremist party. So so those people, they are, as as I always describe, they are in a, in a crossroad. Either if we provided them with good education, psychosocial support and emotional support, then, then they can be the the people, the, the human beings that we all trying to, to achieve, we all trying to, to reach. But if we are not there and if we didn't provide such services, then they could be the people who to harm me or, or to kill me in the future, if they were recruited by by an extremist uh, extremist group in uh, in their country or in in the conflict that they' are living through, so this is where we started in Zatari camp by providing structured and unstructured activity for psychoso- like psychosocial support activity in order again, as I told you in order to give that self awareness that 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 what 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 clicks me is like to give that that self-awareness to those youth to look at themselves to be aware that what's driving them to be stressed and how to like help them how to 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 control and work on their hormones right like raising up their dopamine putting down their cortisol so for them to be able to take strong decisions that can help them Move on, move on with their life. So my role, wherever I go, I describe it that Mercy Corps, we are a catalyst, and the refugees and the refugees' youth life. We are there to provide them with the needed tools and and information and knowledge to move on, to move forward, and to achieve whatever they want to achieve to make this world a better place. I want to mention a story of wherever I go, the story is, is stuck in my head like since four years. I I was sitting in in the camp uh, at at my desk in the camp, and then one of the volunteers, she's she's fifty years old, she passed by my desk and she came mm-hmm. to take a and sorry, she was the cleaner, she was a volunteer and a Syrian refugee. We because in our centers in the camp we hire uh, we hire Syrians to work and to work in the centers for their livelihood. So mm-hmm. she came in order to take the the trash can, and then suddenly she hugged my leg. And she kissed it and she started crying. And like she started, she started doing the mother crying, the, the the crying that fills off passion and emotions and, and also hurt and, and, and trauma. So she started crying and then I pushed my chair. I went down and I asked her how, how I, how can I help? What's what's going on? And she told me that I look like her son who is, who is stuck in Syria. And she told me he was, he left the school at w- when the when the Syria crisis started. He left the school, and we came to Jordan. He lost us, and then he was recruited by ISIS, and now he is working. Uh, so sorry, not 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 ISIS, but fighting for uh, extremist groups. And and then she she told me this, and I start I start talking to her just to, to calm him to calm her down, and then she left she left the office, and this is where I start. Like I stared for an hour on on what she told me. She told me that like. Just think of it think of it with me. She told me that he he left the school, which is mean he's not educated, and that's mean he can't critically think of what is right and what is wrong. And the family left them and to come to Jordan. Again, that's mean he lost his sense of belonging. He lost his his beloved people around him. So that's that's a clear reason for him to be to be a target, an easy target to be recruited in uh, fight, fighters, fighters groups. Mm-hmm. So this is where it comes the important of the important Importance, sorry, of education and psychosocial support is just to equip youth with much information, with much social skills, with much self-esteem and confidence and self-awareness in order to be able to take the right decision, to build up their life, not to not not to break it down.
0: I mean you're you're touching, Omar, on a on a very, very important, I guess, and, and even sensitive issue, which which I've often wondered myself actually, that, that you know how. How much does education inoculate us from bad ideas and and, and bad influences? Whether, you know, whether it's uh, violence or or you know or other forms of you know political uh, or religious extremism. What what's been your experience when you you know when you when you talk to youth that's at risk? How how do you broach this subject? And what's been your experience of of this issue?
1: So education. How to put this in a nice way? So, education in general—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a general word, and that—that that could be used by extremism too. Like, for example, in Iraq and Mosul, there is now there is a lot of children that they were educated, as they say it—they were educated under ISIS. So, education also is a term. That's being used by, by, by extremism, by by the, the groups who are who are fueling conflict. So this term is being used there and is being used here, where we are trying to 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 give it in order for, for more for more peaceful life for youth. So it's not about providing education, It's what exactly you are providing under education. Again, yes. Physics, math, uh, language is provided in both sides. But what also activities you are providing for those youth and for those refugees in order to work on their on their psychology and on their body system, right? Because because refugees like refugee youth when they come, they are more they are they are stressed. They the level of stress is is high when they take a decision. The the consequences are not ca- calculated. So. One hundred percent. It's a tool that can that can fill the brain and with with much beneficial information and knowledge. And also, it shapes the understanding of of the brain. So here, if you also want to break it down, is what those information and knowledge. And beside those information and knowledge, what we are doing in order to strengthen the, the personality that receiving the those knowledge and, and information. So that, that's how I see education. Education is is a bit of not just giving information but also helping students knowing how to share those information to others and mm-hmm. how also to connect those information with each other in order to make use of it in their uh, in their life. So yeah, it's it's more it's more about the 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 brain and also, when we mention education, we talk about reading and writing. This is something a bit, a bit like uh, going deep on the on the brain. Our our work when we're working with with youth who are who, with traumatized youth, we what we are do, we, what we are doing. We work. We are providing activities that raised that raise specific hormones like dopamine in order to activate the frontal cortex of the brain, right? Because human beings, when they are using the, when, when the frontal cortex is, is being used, that's mean uh, that there is more relaxation, they are more wise, and there is more self-awareness happening, happening in them. And that's, we're doing this in order to stop the, the cortisol level raising up and, and because whenever the cortisol is, is raising up it activates the limbic system and this is where the, the, the stress is coming out in the brain. So linking it to education in our in our brain and in the in the front in the cortex, in the frontal cortex, there is a small area that's called the broca area. And this area is responsible of reading and writing. So education itself, when you are reading, when you are practicing the reading and writing, you are using your organ, your, your, your brain, and you're activating the frontal cortex by itself. Reading and writing, it helps humans too in order to uh, release stress and be more, be more effective. So those are, sorry, I've, I went through a lot of things, but those are the main things that what education can do for youth in a refugee camp or displaced youth in general.
0: No, absolutely. And, and, you know, you're right that, that obviously education, you know, like all human uh, activities can be, can be directed towards evil just as it can be uh, directed towards, towards doing good. Uh, I suppose you know, we, we would tend to call it indoctrination uh, rather than education, but, but I think your point is well made. Now, tell, me, tell us a little bit more about what you experienced uh, moving from Jordan to Iraq obviously there the context must have been quite quite different it's quite different yeah
1: so after, after being in jordan and going through all of those experiences and the skills i got this is where i wanted to move to another country in order to like leave more impact and leave and and use the skills that i use in jordan in jordan i am i am a person who is more interested in in an emergency setting in a setting where uh, where it's still it's challenging to take decision. It's challenging to provide simple, uh, sem- like simple and basic services to to youth and children, because in in Jordan after seven years uh, after six years of working, sorry, for the refugees to be in the camps, the situation start to be better. The situation start to be services are provided, and then not much challenges in the community to work on. That doesn't mean there is still no need, but it's, it's, there is still a huge need in the camps, but it's more into into re- recovery and and, and and just strengthen the, the community itself. And this is where I took the decision to move to Iraq. I, I, when I was in Jordan before flying to Iraq, I said, look, Omar, you have a good experience. You know how to work with youth. You know how to work with education. You are going to Iraq and you're like you're, you're going to do a good job and the first week i arrived to iraq it felt for me that i just started this career because the whole context is totally different the people we're serving is totally different it's the same need but it should be delivered in different ways yeah. and this is where this is where i this is where i felt that even me as a human being i have to keep up my education and bring my knowledge on and it's a continuous uh, activity. Like, for example, one of the major differences between working for youth in Iraq and working for youth in Jordan and the refugee camps, when you're talking about the youth and the refugee camps, they're all from the same religion or from the same background, all from the same culture. But going to Iraq, if you have a class of 20 participants, that could be each five participant from different culture, different background, different religion, different... It sounds like it's all different and this is where you start thinking that in Jordan i was much i was not much spending attention to social cohesion but now yeah. social cohesion should be something to talk about should be something to do in order to strengthen this community and to make those youth work collect- collectively together for their own interest there's a lot of cha- like challenges and differences but this is one of the most uh, one of the most uh, like concern or or, or challenge i i faced in uh, in iraq
0: and how did you how did you sort of begin to address that challenge
1: so how how is it actually to just pay attention to it so the program the program itself was was how to say that it was my personal my personal problem but the program itself took it into consideration Right It took it into consideration while every single activity we are implementing inside if we' if we are doing for example life skills or if we are doing a social project, the members of participants who's doing the social project should be from a different backgrounds and and uh, and cultures and religions in order for them to learn from each other to trust each other and to feel safe around each other because yeah because the safety issue in iraq is is one of the most important uh one of the most important elements to address so that's that's how that's how we are we we, we're we're starting it and in mercy Corps, so now i'm talking about my portfolio in iraq which is uh focusing more on education and youth and psychosocial support but we have another another portfolio with mercy Corps in iraq and, and and it's uh, conflict resolution and peace building and they have projects to be uh, they are implementing projects in in different governorate in Iraq just to run activity to strengthen social cohesion between the different groups and uh, inside the community and simply, I can say that strengthen the, the strengthen the relationship between them through a football game, a soccer game, strengthen mm-hmm. the relationship between them through uh, through sports, through education, through psychosocial support, and social and social projects, and community committees that also we are working uh, we are working through. So what I did with my portfolio in order to make sure that I am giving the same benefit, this is where we have our cross portfolio relationship, where I am, where I make sure that my activity, like, sorry, that conflict resolution and peace building and social cohesion experiences on that portfolio is mainstreamed, is mainstreamed on, uh, on the education portfolio. And this is, yeah this is how we, sorry internally we're managing it because that portfolio as i said they, they 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 build social cohesion through sports through education and through community committees and and social projects that they're implementing.
0: Can you can you share any any stories any success stories Omar because you you've been at this now uh, obviously a, a number of years do you keep track of the young people that have been through your programs what what's happening to them to them now? I mean, the crisis is not, uh, of course, uh, completely over yet. But you know, we, we've had some. There's been some success, shall we say, in in Iraq. Uh, the fighting in Syria seems to be uh, winding down as well. What uh, do you do? You know what's happening to uh, to, to the young people that were uh, that have been through your programs. I I don't want to say that we contributed to, but this success story came to us
1: and made us like made us part of it because we. Okay, let me let me say it that way. So one once when I was, I'm gonna talk more about Syria now, about Jordan and refugee camps. Once I was in the refugee camps, and then I've been called to uh, to translate between a journalist and a young girl in the camp, and she was ten, she was nine to ten years old. Mm-hmm. So and she she was an education activist too. She was a girl that go around her her friends and tell them, let's go to school, let's get educated, and like she was she was a constructive girl inside among among her peers and then when i was translating she uh, the journalist asked her that why do you love education and this girl answers that if they're sending us back to syria tomorrow i have to i have to study tonight to study hard tonight because i'm going back to build a country so that was an answer from like 9 to 10 years old uh, nine girl nine years. And, uh, wow. sorry
0: wow that came from a 9 year old
1: Yes, nine to ten years old, uh, kid, like girl inside inside Zatari camp so after after this interview finished I, I I kept my interest on knowing about what's happened to this girl and I made like I was, she was she was a girl that like goes to every single service provider in the camp and get everything from them gets all the knowledge from them and yes she was coming to Mercy Corps centers and all the centers all the centers around this girl is called Muzun. And now she, she reached the point to be called the, the Syrian Malala. But she is, as also Malala described her in her last book, We Are Displaced, she said she is the Syrian Muzun. So Muzun now, she, uh, out, of, out of fighting for girls' education and out of like helping all of her peers to be educated, she became like she's she's now living in the UK. She she's completing her master's degree and she is UNICEF Good Ambassador for Girls Education. Again, this success story, I, I want to emphasize on this, this success story came out of Muzoon's passion and power to change. And we it's not something that we made, no, it's it's her. She's a girl since the day like, she was born, she had this passion to do and to change. And it was a pleasure for, 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 for Mercy Corps organization, for us, to
0: cross that path and try to help for a really short time. Okay, that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a good story. Tell us also, I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm conscious of the fact that you know, maybe our, our listeners, many of them won't actually be familiar with a refugee camp uh, setting so, te- just describe a little bit of you know what what goes on in the you know in these camps, and then you know you, you described uh, Muzoon going around all the service providers and finding out what you know what was available. Tell us a little bit about you know what what is the sort of structure of education that's provided? Is it you know uh, is it regular schooling? Is it a series of of activities? You know how much how much freedom do 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 the refugees themselves have, or the displaced people have? To, to sort of choose what, uh, what programs to attend?
1: So in Jordan, because it's different setting between Jordan and Iraq in this region, so, so in Jordan, the, the, the refugee camps, it's, I'll start with saying a, a piece of land that exists in the middle of the desert that has tents and caravans for people to live in. Yeah. And the the infrastructure of of those camps are not really st- and strongly uh, equipped and and uh, built. So those in those camps, yes, we especially Zatari and and Azraq, the, the the response was was huge. The response was super big. And this is where in each district in the camp in each small neighborhood, there is a youth center that gives. Again, psychosocial support, emotional support through sports and life skills sessions and PSS structured activities and by PSS's psychosocial support and also uh, the Ministry of Education. This is UNICEF, for example, and Ministry of Education. They were the main actor of making sure that formal education is presented inside inside the refugee camps. I, I can tell that at the beginning it was hard because you know, when, when the Syrian refugees came, they had the thought that I am here today, but the problem in Syria will be solved tomorrow. So I'll go back to my country. And this feeling kept going on for a year with the refugee, that every day they, they say, I am here today and I'm going back to Syria tomorrow because the problem will be solved. That's put the refugees in a place where they don't care about social networking they don't care about education because even like one of the youth told me that why should i go to education here because if i get the certificate i want to go back to syria i'm not going to be certified the certificate is not uh, recognized from from my government back in syria so so that was that was one of the challenges and then a lot of initiatives came from international actors, Minister of Education in Jordan, UNICEF, and, and, and local actors in order to provide those services. And yes, the, the education structure inside the camps is there is schools inside the camps open for refugees, and those schools back to and those schools recognized by the Ministry of Education, and they are under the education, the education system, system in Jordan. I can I can tell. That it was modified in order to cope with uh, with the special uh, needs for the refugees and and uh, and beside that there there was two protection issues facing youth for facing youth for them not to go back to education and here we're talking about child labor and early marriage and this is where other this is where if you look at all the actors as as one body, this is where the youth spaces and child spaces we're working on bringing back a job, like out of school children, give them psychosocial and emotional support, and then refer them to formal education, raise awareness of parents and raise awareness of families and youth about early marriage and how it's, it's, it's a negative factor and, and in the life in general. And we, it was, there was a lot of achievements in that in order to, to raise the awareness of the community and to bring back child, like the job out of school, kids bringing bringing them back from child labor and refer them to formal education so there is this formal education there is the non formal education that that we are uh, that we are doing in order to build uh, the social skills and the communication skills for youth and prepare them to go back to formal education and beside that there is also catch up education where where we call it for for those Children who did their education back in Syria and then they left Syria without bringing their papers with them, and that, that that was one of the challenges we're facing: is how to know that you are in the stage and how to continue education. Mm-hmm. This is where there was specific education services for this. So, so the camp in general, in every single group, there is different needs. There is different, uh, the different, yeah. The, there is different needs and there is different. Uh, characteristics that can make you form the education services that you want to provide. So in Jordan, services were were, uh, were were given to those refugees, and that, that was the structure to it. In Iraq, and in Iraq, it's a bit it's a little bit different because we're not talking about a camps. We're talking about Iraqis who have been displaced. One of the like, just want to mention one of the stories that uh, Mercy Corps Iraq achieved is that la- last year, in our education program, we have a strong pillar that a uh, strong advocacy advocacy pillar and in the program itself. So this uh, this this advocacy work we do is consist of community action groups who are who discover what are the problems that youth are going through for education and then they raise it to uh, to the task force who are uh, consist of directorate of education and also provinces provinces directors in order to put a plan to solve this and if there is something out of authority this is where it goes to a policy change and one of the one of the challenges we discovered is that out of being displaced there is there is a lot of youth who completed 75% of their academic year and then they were they were forced to be displaced in a different area and under the, the Iraqi the Iraqi law is that if you are for, for example if you are from Anbar and you studied in Anbar your national exam should be in Anbar and this is where those displaced people under, under under the law, they were not they were not allowed to go to a national exam. So that's where the Community Action Group, the Directorate of Education, Minister of Education, and, and us, we worked together in order to give those youth who were displaced an access to their rights, which is taking exactly. the national exam. So, yeah. so in that
0: role, you, you almost found yourself uh, in, engaged in, in a certain amount of political lobbying, I guess. Yes, and yeah, exactly. But
1: but the good thing in Iraq again is that Ministry of Education they can feel the needs and they are they're with us. Like yeah. Ministry of Education, they're like, okay, we're with we're we're with you and implementing your program. Even if we want to close out, uh, our exit strategy is to hand over those centers to the Ministry of Education because they want to continue the, those type of programming, which is yeah. accelerated learning center to bring back
0: uh, youth who were out of school to, to formal education what's your view now uh omar what what's happening on on the ground in uh, in the refugee camps that you've been working in is there is there any do you feel any end in sight to the crisis or what what are you picking up from from your vantage point
1: i that's i don't know how to answer this question because i i don't see it ending like this crisis to to end up i don't see this Coming soon, as I what as as I was not seeing it coming soon six years ago in in Jordan, because yeah. this region I don't want to get uh, like a bit political on, on the answer, but this region is is uh, the the crisis in this region is a bit complex. It's not an easy one to say to say that oh that's the problem and let's let's solve it and then we're done. It's it's a bit complex. The the question that you always ask yourself as a humanitarian or social worker is should I work with those people as this is their new life, or should I work with them temporarily as they're going to go back to their old life? And yeah. this question never been solved because, you, because I don't know, it's, it's, it's complex crises that we're, we're working on. And especially if you go back, if you, if you go to Jordan, there is kids who have no idea how Syria looked like because they they were born they were born in the refugee camps they were yeah. they, they hear from their from their parents about Syria about their cousin being killed about their their parents being killed like they hear all of those like all of those hard stories but but they don 't know what 's Syria, and this is where by the way, this is where we start facing another type of trauma. Instead of instead of working with children who were traumatized because they witnessed, we're working with children who was traumatized because of the ex of their ex generation witnessed. So the and this is what we call transgenerational trauma is they're getting the trauma of the uh, of, of their parents of the news, but they were not part of it. So those people, if the if the solution happened for them going back to Syria, they have to re. Like they're gonna face the same. They have to rebuild their life. They have to rebuild their, uh, their 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 emotions, and they have to rebuild their their social networks. So, so I don't know if it's if we can say now that Syrians, for example, should go back to Syria if things start to be uh, to be okay there, because it's 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 just hard. It's been seven years living in in a place which is I am. Sorry, I don't want to go deep on this but which is I believe that all of them they, they want to go to their country but they're, they're still not there's not not ready for that. I think that's what I hear from from my friends and the and the cats Syrian friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean I, I, my my understanding is that I don't think uh, any refugee leaves and and doesn't at a, at a certain level want want to return. I mean that's what all refugees even Sometimes even you know, several yeah. years and decades may pass, and they will still still want to. Yeah. to can I? Um,
1: yeah, I just want to tell you something. In 2015, I was deployed in Greece, in order yeah. to, uh, to I worked in Lesbos and Kos Islands in order for, for the migrant crisis. And when I was when I was in Lesbos, I was I was. Uh, we We received a boat full of refugees, and then they they reached the shore, we held them up. they came into the the beach and then they start celebrating that they made it. I noticed one of the of them, like it's the nationality i I don't know which nationality he is, the since he put his feet in Greece, he ripped and threw his passport, and some of them they burn it so oh, okay. so those people so so those people moving on with that mm-hmm. feeling, I think they are thinking more of their future more than their past that they want to go back to it
0: yeah yeah now that's interesting i my i mean look, my experience comes primarily from from my grandmother my grandmother was in, in cyprus was uh was uh, a refugee uh her village was in the north and uh when uh, turkey invaded the island 45 or so years ago yeah um, <clears throat> she was, was forced to leave at at some stage. And, uh, she was always talking about wanting to go back to her, her village. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's my sort of anecdotal experience of this, but I, I suppose in some cases, the trauma can be so intense that you really just want to put it behind you and start, start a new life. Very good, Omar. I mean, look, you're, you're doing, uh, you're doing terrific work, you and, and your organization. We're sort of coming up to our time now. So I just want to close, uh, Close off our conversation just by asking you, what's your you know message to 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 folks in education uh, who might be thinking about getting involved in humanitarian work but don't know where to start. What kind of what would be your advice to them?
1: Can I can I tell you a story? I'm I I hope that's not gonna take. You always that- tell me a story. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> okay. yeah. So it's not gonna take that that much time. I hope, but I really this is something that. It had happened in my career. Do you, do you know, like, once I was, when I was working in Jordan, I was sitting in my at my desk in, in the capital in Amman, working on reports and re- sending reports and writing proposals. And sometimes, let's admit it, such, such job is a bit boring for, for a field person because he wanted to be with the people. And I was I was a bit stressed. And I talked to my manager. I told him I want to go to the camp and, uh, and I'll do those reports later. So I went to the camp and then... Like I was in this mood that am I doing like, am I doing good in, in this program? Am I, are we doing the right thing? Are we really leaving benefits? And then, so I entered the center and I decided just to go to sit in a classroom. We were delivering life skills uh, for, for, for the kids. So I, I decided to go to sit in the classroom and just watch the session. I, I went inside, I sat in the corner and then the students, uh, the, sorry, the teachers asked a question. When the teacher asked the question, Literally, it, it felt like an earthquake happened. But th- this earthquake was not before of the earth, and it's it's what it's not a natural earthquake. As mm-hmm. much as it's an earthquake happening because there is twenty kids jump out of their chairs, they raise their hands as they're touching the sky, screaming "me, me, me" because they want to answer, right? Wow! And then the and then and then the teacher chose one. The teacher chose one of them, and like everyone sat down after. She like she gave the answer really like with a loud voice, with a loud voice. She gave the answer. And then the teacher told her, thank you so much. Sit down. That was right. And her friends start clapping for her. So after, after this, I, it just felt so happy. It just felt so good. And then I left the class and I drove one hour, 30 minutes back to, back, back to the capital, just thinking of what just happened and breaking it down. So this is where if, if you think of what happened is when the when the teacher asked the question, everyone raised their hand, and that's mean there is knowledge and there is understanding on their brains like they have knowledge and understanding so that's the two things that that you can you can see and then they like they they jumped out, they, they jumped out of their chairs, they raised their hands that shows confidence that shows that they are in a safe space and then someone was chosen among 20 and she was happily raising her voice and speaking again this is confidence and self-esteem and she she doesn't know if she's right or wrong she was not afraid of being judged from her from her peers she raised the hand she speak loudly she was right and then her friends clapped for her which has mean networking peers and 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 supporting like supporting each other so if yeah as as i break them down my message and that that in education we are providing knowledge and understanding, and that's why we have to put social emotional learning along with education in order to raise the to, to enhance the other things, which is confidence self esteem peer support. education itself is not enough if there is no emotional support for the for the child for uh, for the children that we are serving and the last thing I want to say if and this is what 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 moves me that if I want to if I want to go to a classroom, I will never count the number of students in order to measure my impact, but I'll count the number of students who raised their hands when there was a
0: question asked by a teacher. To no, see that's, that's, that's a good metric because you're, it's also engagement, right? Mm-hmm. If, they, if they want to participate, it means you're engaging with them. It's not yes. just that they know, they're engaged. Exactly, they're
1: engaged. Like it's, it just feels so, so happy, Stavros. Like, hey, I hope you will be in such a case where you see this. That those kids, like smiling, raising their hands, engaging their others with a huge confidence, self-esteem, and they're all supporting each other with knowledge and, and understanding. That's just great. That just what you have to do. And that's why I went back and I finalized my report back in yeah. well, the
0: that's, that's a really that's a really good story, and I think it's a, it's a good place for us to, to close off the conversation, Omar. So again, you're doing amazing work, you and your organization, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you uh, so much. And thank you for your for sharing your wise words with us. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward
1: to see you in November and, and just be involved in, in the event.
0: We're, we're looking forward to, to having you at, at WISE 2019 and to have you uh, share some of these uh, some of these inspiring stories. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. A big thank you to Omar for sharing some of his stories with us. Uh, what did you think of the discussion? Do let us know by commenting on Wise social media channels or by tweeting me directly at wise underscore CEO. Also, be sure to check the links in the description for more on Omar and his work. In the meantime, check out more Wise content at wwwwise qatarorg See you next time.